Well, good morning, Faith Bridge. How's everyone doing? It is good to be back. If we've not met, my name is Steve Carter, and man, it is an honor to be here in such a beautiful, humid reality. And you're, and you're like, why are you wearing a jacket? Because everything inside is sweaty. So, um, but it's an honor to be here. I love what God is doing in this church. And, um, you know, culture has uh, kind of a kickoff. We call it January 1st. And, and that's where all of us create New Year's resolutions that we forget four days later. Uh, but church, there's kind of this ministry kickoff. And it's tied to the school year. And, and I know um, in a church this size, uh, we have so many people uh, who are teachers, who are coaches, who are school administrators, who are getting ready to get back in the classroom uh, in the coming days or who have already started. Um, and I, I, I don't know if you know this, um, but all of those teachers, they're paid um, really, really well. Uh, to do what they do. Um, and to be honest, uh, I, I think the servant leadership of our, our teachers, um, what they do, how they pour into our kids. Um, if you're a teacher or you volunteer or you serve, you're an administrator, you're a principal, vice principal, you answer the calls from the parents at the front desk, you're a saint. Um, if any of you are here, would you stand? Because we'd love to honor you today. Wow. Wow. Yes. All right. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and thank you. Thank you for what you do. And I, I just want to challenge every one of you. Um, I, I think we're, we're more similar than we're different. And we cry, we laugh, we bleed the same color. Um, we all have 168 hours in a given week. And we also, all of us, live close to a school. And, and here's, here's my ask, is this school year, as you drive by that local elementary school, you drive by that middle school, that needs a lot of prayer, you, you drive by that high school, uh, you drive by Dillon Panthers High School, where, wherever you drive by, whatever high school you drive by, college, junior college, um, I want to give you two words to pray, to pray for and to pray over, to pray for those schools, uh, to pray that they're a safe space. To pray that you would pray for those teachers that often are just, man, doing so much with so little. That you would pray for the administrators. You'd pray for the students. You'd pray for the teams and safety. And you also pray over the halls. You pray over the, the campus. You pray over the minds of the students. Many are wrestling with such anxiety or fear or pressure. And that you would pray for those students that they would find their people. And I'm telling you, if you could just do this, that school will take up a special place in your heart. And just pray for, pray over. Um, it'll, it'll be a game changer. Um, I, I want to invite the, the services to come forward. Um, they, if, you, if you need a Bible, today's going to be a little bit like a, like a Bible study. Oftentimes people ask me, hey, how do you study the Bible um, when it's just you? Or how do you prep for a talk? I'm going to kind of show you. And whether you've been a, a, someone who's, who's done uh, BSF or someone who's studied the Bible or, or you're new to studying it, I, I wanted to show you in just a couple of quick ways how I do it. Um, but for many, many years, I was a junior high pastor. And I always wanted my students to love the Word of God because I love it. I love the Word of God. And uh, there was this, this hip-hop 
artist, and I don't know how he got famous, but he just basically said a couple words, and it was, and nine of you will know this, but uh, he basically just said, what? Okay. That's all he did. It was just like, that's all he did. And somehow he got like uber famous. So this is many, many years ago, and so when we'd we'd pass out the Bibles, uh, uh, our students, I would say, hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 16, and I taught my students to go, what? And I was like, turn with me to Acts 16. They'd be like, okay. And, uh, and, uh. It was really great on a Tuesday night for junior high ministry. It got really weird when it was a Sunday morning and they let me teach in the adults and 400 junior high students are screaming, what? Um, but I, uh, I want to show you um, some arrows. And th- these arrows are really, really important to me because it's how I study the scriptures. Um, there's six of them, but there's really five in, in my mind. And, and the first thing is what we're going to do is I want to show you is the importance of going backwards. That's why this story, this Bible is so important. Because when we go backwards, we have to know where we came from. We have to know the arc of the story. But the truth is, every, any passage of scripture that you read, whether, whether in the book of Acts, whether in the Proverbs, whether, whether in the Gospels, it's not just going backwards to study the context and learn, but you, you also got to understand, we're supposed to go forward. And you heard it in the video, Eric said it so beautifully, this is not a solo sport. And when you read this, be looking at how the church went forward. And the way that they went forward was in community. They did life together. And you're going to see it. You're going to see life together on every page. And, and when you're studying the Bible, you should be like, okay, I go backwards, but I go forward. What does this mean for the way that I interact with my people, my team, my community? But then you go upwards. And the upwards is us learning to pursue God's presence. Because God is everywhere, and if you're like me, you can forget. You can just get caught up in your routines, get distracted really easily, but God is here. And when you find yourself reading a passage of Scripture, you ought to be looking, what does this teach me about how I pursue God's presence when it's good or when it's difficult? And then those other two arrows, you see one it's, it, it, going this way, the other one going this way, and it, it's the sense of we have to go inward. It's not just about like, what we look like on the outside, it's the transformation or, or it's the biblical sanctification. It's, it's us becoming more whole and holy and spiritually healthy. And the truth is, we as Christ followers, we have to do our work. I don't know if you've ever seen Billy Graham's wife's tombstone. Ruth Bell Graham says her name, says the date she was born, the date she died. And then underneath it, it says, construction completed. Thanks for your patience. And I think it's genius. Because the truth is, every one of us is on a journey. None of us have arrived this side of heaven. And we all have work, areas in our soul, areas in our mind, areas in our heart, areas in our past, areas in our bodies that we actually need to learn to surrender and do some work on. And so when you read a passage of scripture, you should begin looking going, hey, what does this actually invite me to do some internal work so that I can become more transformed in the image of Christ? And then... Everything you read, everything that you learn, it should propel you outward. And when you're reading it going, what does this actually do in me that changes the way that I listen or change the way that I interact with my wife or my husband or my kids? How does this change the way that I use my time or my talents or my treasures to bless other people? And so in every scripture I look, I'm just going through these arrows. And it helps me in my personal devotional. And so this is what we're going to do today because I think Acts 16 is amazing. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. I'm glad none of you said, what? Uh, Because I would have started giggling. Um, And when you see in in, in chapter 16, 
Um, this is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. The first missionary journey, they went and they planted some churches. And then there was a little bit of a disagreement between John Mark and Barnabas. And so they kind of went their own ways. They got reconciled um, later on. But actually, Paul picked up Silas, picked up Luke, and he picked up a, a kid by the name of Timothy. And last week, uh, you learned about Timothy. But Timothy was an interesting guy because his, his, his parents, uh, his dad was a Gentile. So, so he... he he couldn't walk into the synagogue to learn like we have the privilege to learn. He had to be on the outside. We learn in 2 Timothy that he learned from his grandmother and his mom about the scriptures. But the truth is, his dad being a Gentile meant that he wasn't circumcised. Last week, if you listened to Pastor Ken's talk, he, he did a great job talking about what circumcision is. If you still don't understand, shoot him an email. He'll, he'll, he'll explain it to you. What was amazing is, is Paul saw something in Timothy and said, hey, you're going to be my spiritual son. And began to take Timothy along on this second missionary journey. And what's incredible is, is both Luke and Timothy were considered Gentiles. But Paul and Silas were considered Jews. It will make sense as we read this. Now, verse 16, chapter 16 says this. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a female slave who had, been, who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. I love this passage. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So here's a short little context. You have Paul, Silas, Luke, Timothy, and they are headed to a place of prayer. And this woman who has the ability to kind of predict the future, has the spirit inside of her, she is doing this and all the money that she gets is going to somebody else and Paul recognizes that there's some demonic thing happening with her. He calls it out. This woman has no way to make money for her owners. They get frustrated and they get them arrested. Now, what's really amazing is the book of Acts was written by Luke, the same writer who wrote the gospel of Luke. And really, you, could, you can break this down is that Luke was written by one man, Luke, about one man, Jesus, for one man named Theophilus, who was a wealthy, influential man. Luke was a doctor, so he was a wealthy, influential man. The book of Acts was written by Luke, one man, about one man, Jesus, and about one Holy Spirit, and about one growing church for one man, Theophilus. 
And what's amazing is, as you flip through the Gospel of Luke and begin to read through Acts, which we've been in this study over the last year plus, you begin to see how much Luke talks about money. Even in the story. He tells the story, and we're, we're going backwards with this arrow, but he, he tells the story, and when the owners realized they couldn't make money off of this woman, that's what got them frustrated. Why? Because I think that Luke is writing to Theophilus going, my friend, money can control you. It can make you misbehave. But you have to learn when you have a surrendered heart, what you can do is you can actually make money behave. And you'll see this all throughout Luke and Acts because he understands the temptation of money. Now, what's amazing is this is just the context going backwards. But let's talk about going forwards. You got Luke, you got Timothy. They're Gentiles, they don't get arrested. You've got now Paul and Silas who are Jews and they find themselves stripped, beaten with rods. Now they're thrown into jail and they're chained up unto stocks. And I don't know about you, but life can be a lot easier when you have people to go through difficult times with. I'm sure you can agree. I remember when I was a kid, I, um, I, my dad smoked. And um, I remember like seeing on, a, on, a, on a, a cigarette carton this Surgeon General's warning. You remember seeing this? And you just see it like smoking caused lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and may complicate pregnancy. And I just remember seeing that. I was like, man, that's a, that's a Surgeon General warning. I don't even know what that meant. I didn't actually know that the Surgeon General was an actual person until about five years ago. Um, and this is, this is our U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy, um, who, if you have been following him, in the end of April, early May, released an 83-page document detailing the issue, the crisis, the epidemic of our day here in the United States. And he said this. He says, mental health is the defining public health crisis of our time. And many of us would say, of course, agree, yes. But this is what he said that is causing so much mental health. And you have to understand this. You have to see this. He says the epidemic of loneliness and isolation is not just affecting our mental health, our emotional well-being, but our actual physical health. What is he saying? He's saying that the problem in our country is that the majority of people are doing life on their own. And then he says this. He says that loneliness is as detrimental to human health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Doing life by yourself. What it does to the mind, what it does to the emotions, what it does to the physical body, what it does to the spirit. It's like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Guys, if you ever just want to hang out with your friends, say, babe, you want me to smoke 15 cigarettes a day? No, you want me to hang out with my friends. <laughs> but here, here, here's what you need to know. is Paul had Silas. Paul had Silas to go through that difficult situation. Can I be really, really honest? Who do you have? Who do you have when your back is up against a wall? Who do you have that you're like, I can call? Who do you have? And I love what, when Delena was talking about that. Delena had this moment where she, she drops to her knees, she prays, but then she calls her small group. Who do you have? 
And for many of us, we are doing this life on our own and we're just like gritting our teeth and willing it and we're like, oh, I'm just trying. But I'm telling you, it's harder. It's harder to do this on your own. It's easier for the enemy to pick you off when you're just trying to go at this on your own. But I love what happens in verse 25. You have this moment where Paul and Silas, they've been beaten, they've been flogged, they've been hit with rods, they're in chains, tied to this, this stock. It says this, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that amazing? Because even in the midst of that, do you see them going upwards? They are like pursuing God's presence. They're beaten. They've just gone through such just unfair injustice. And their first response is to pray and sing songs of praise while in prison. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when things don't go my way, I see this permission not to pray and praise. I see this permission to escape and numb out. And oftentimes make choices that are not the best. I forget that God's with me. When your back is up against a wall, what is your first response? You see this story, and you can go backwards and you can learn about the context. You can go forward and see Paul and Silas. And then you can go upwards and go, do you see in the midst when adversity comes, they see it as an opportunity not to complain, not to gossip, not to get angry at God, not to give up, but a time to pray and give praise. What about you? What do you do? Is prayer, singing, and pursuing God's presence, is that your first response? Or is there something else? And what if, what if we as a church, Faith Bridge, in the moments when we felt adversity, we actually leaned in and said, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep believing. God, you have a plan because my trust, my dependence is so in you that I know that this is nothing compared to what you can do. Now, what's amazing, what's amazing about this moment is you have the other prisoners just there listening. And I wonder what they're thinking. They're like, man, Paul's got a good voice. He can sing. That's really good. Wow. Silas, not so much, but good, good on him for trying. And there's this moment where they're just praying and, and, and people are watching. Do you understand that the way that you respond to adversity, people watch? They watch you. And when you actually see adversity as a chance to give an opportunity to put more trust in God, people see that. People watch that. What's incredible to me is oftentimes in our Western Christianity is we allow our circumstances to dictate how we think God feels about us and how we feel about ourselves. But what's incredible is Paul's like, adversity? That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to go up against evil. That's what it means to go up against suffering and struggle. Adversity, it's just a bigger opportunity for my God to shine. And I think for many of us, man, there's, there's something in the face of adversity. Are we still pursuing God's presence? It's easy when it's easy. It's easy to sing songs to God and, and gratitude when, when we got that bonus check. Before we got that, that great medical report. But can you do it when you've actually picked up an L, a loss? When you actually had a moment where you didn't do your best? The moment of, of where it didn't go the way you wanted? 
That's, that's what this text is teaching us. In the middle of that, we can still pursue. But there's more. Look what it says in verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Now you have to understand context. Whenever you were in charge of prisoners, your job was to ensure that they made it to the court date, that they did not escape because if they thought they escaped, that happened on your watch. And because it happened on your watch, there would be punishment. Oftentimes beating, there would be punishment. Oftentimes could go to prison. There would be punishment, some fines, even punishment to the point of death. And this jailer has this experience where this earthquake, doors are open, and he thinks to his logical self, they are all gone, and I'm in trouble. So what does he do? He thinks that the only way out is to die by suicide. And with the epidemic of loneliness and isolation that's happening in our world today, it breaks my heart because I think that there are many people within the church and outside the church who something doesn't go their way and adversity comes Struggle happens, debt, whatever it is, and they think the only logical response is to die. And one of the most beautiful and powerful and prophetic verses, in my opinion, for our day is what Paul shouts. Look at these words that he says. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are still here. And I woke up in the middle of the night a couple days ago, and I just felt like God was just put some of you on my mind and on my heart. Because I think some of you, your backs are up against a wall. And maybe it's anxiety. And you know what anxiety is? It just turns your peace into pieces. Maybe it's just depression and it just feels this cloud. Maybe it's some sense of life hasn't gone the way that you thought it would be. And all of a sudden, for some of you, you are just swirling and you are fighting to find the strength to have another day. And can I just cry out in the best way I know from Paul's words? Don't harm yourself. We, Faithbridge, we're still here. We need you. We're here. We will pray with you. We will walk with you. We will hold you. We will remind you. We will hold space for you. But please, please. And what's so moving about that moment is when that jailer hears it, the scriptures say that he called for the lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds, then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Here was a guy just moments earlier who was about to die. 
take his own life. And now he's filled with so much joy. He's cleaning out wounds. He's preparing a meal. Why? Because he experienced what grace and peace in Christ is all about. And for some of us, we know a lot of facts about Jesus. But I need you to know that there is a God who is wildly in love with you, believes in you, has a purpose for you. It's incredible as I go back to those arrows. You go backwards, you know a little bit about the context. You go forwards, you gotta ask yourself who you do in life together with. You go upwards, you get it maybe from that text, ask yourself, man, when my back's up against a wall, what's my first response? Is it prayer? Is it praise? Or is it escape? And maybe, maybe for some of you, you read that passage, you go, man, there's an inward. What's my work? Maybe for some of us, whew, we allow too much negative thinking to come. We mess up, and all of a sudden, we're like, we start making these thoughts that I, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't stay. I shouldn't die. All of this stuff. And then the thought about going outward, and you see that this chance for Paul and Silas to share their faith, to put their gifts on display. And it radically not just changes the jailer's life, but it changes the entire household's life. And why do I say all this? Because I look at those arrows, and I think that this being the kickoff of this ministry season, what's right in front of you is an invitation. It's an invitation. My pastor can, myself, the team, we, we can't actually make the decision for you. you. You know me well enough. You know I love teaching you about words. Did you know that the word decide comes from the same root word that's found in the word homicide? And you're like, that just got dark. <laughs> but here's, here's, here's the truth. When you make a decision, something has to die. When you made the decision to get married, you're like, all of the other relationships, all of the other options are dead to me. When you made the decision to say yes to that school, all of the other schools that recruited you or wanted you. When you made the decision to fall in love with the Houston Texans, you made the decision <laughs> to have your heart die. But here, here, here's the truth, is this is what you get to do now, is you get to make the decision. What kind of growth do you want to take in this ministry year? And if you look at this, and I'm going to invite you, every one of you if, you, if you can, would you open this up? And I know that they're like every other seat, and so if, if you don't know the neighbor beside you, and you want to, just get a little close. Um, it's awkward. Um, but maybe, maybe for some of you, think about this. Maybe for some of you, the next best right step. That's the way that I pray, short breath prayer. Lord, what's the next best right step for me? Maybe in this season you gotta grow and your growth has to be going backwards. As you know that there are men's studies, the table, there's singles for 30 plus. And there's chances for you to dive deeper into God's word. Will you decide that's the next best right step for you in this season? And maybe for some of you, the next best right step is moving forward together, doing life together. And you know, you know, you know that going on your own isn't working. And some of you, if we're really, really honest, 
Some of you, 2019, you understood the power of community, and then our whole world got turned upside down. Can we just be really, really honest? COVID's over. Like, like we, we, we can't use that as an excuse anymore. Some of us were in great habits, biblical habits of being in community, and we felt the thrill of God speaking and reaching to us. And then 2020, 2021, 2022, we kind of got out of the habit. Like me in the gym, kind of got out of the habit. But now I have to make a decision against myself, and I have to step foot because isolation and loneliness was never why God wanted the church to act. He created the church so that people who were far from God could find themselves in common unity in Christ. And maybe after this service, you got to go over to the, the atrium and actually sign up. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's the presence. I think we live our, our lives kind of with our schedules a little bit in pencil. Because you know what we can erase and maybe something better will come up. Maybe some opportunity to go see the Houston Texans. Guys, they're going to be 3 and 14 again. <laughs> maybe the commitment, maybe the commitment is to say, hey, for this next season... I'm gonna, if I'm in town, I'm going to be at church because it does something for my soul. It lifts my spirits. It reminds me of who I am and whose I am. Maybe for some of you, it's around the prayer. Maybe that's what's going to be pursuing God's presence. Maybe for some of you, it's actually going inward. The next best right step, which you have to decide in this season, is you're wrestling through some stuff. Maybe it's the recovery care. That actually talks about the hurts, the habits, the hang-ups. And the truth is, every one of us is an addict. Some of us are just more socially acceptable with our addictions. But if you can come to a place to say, man, this is preventing me from experiencing more of grace, and I'm going to make that decision, I'm going to show up. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you have gone through a painful divorce, and I'm sorry. It's not fair. But I'll tell you, doing it on your own just prolongs the process to heal. Maybe you're struggling with grief and I just don't know how to honor, honor this change that has just showed up on my doorstep. I'm telling you, maybe that's the inner work, but you gotta decide. Or maybe it's serving and going outward with the gifts. And I'll tell you two ways to look at this. You can, you can serve outside these walls. And I, I've been blown away by the reports of almost 500 people who from this church who went out and served on the road, doing missions, amazing. One time I was leaving at IAH and I'm standing in like the, the TSA line, which is always fun, and I'm there in the line and someone's like, you preached at Faith Bridge. And I'm like, I did, where are you headed? And they're like, I, we're headed, this whole team, out of the country to serve. And I was like, well, you guys win, you guys win. And I was so inspired by these young people who just wanted to serve. Maybe for some of you, it's serving outside, and there's amazing partners that we have at this church. But maybe it's inside these walls. Maybe you, you have a gift of hospitality. Maybe you have a gift of prayer. Maybe you have a gift of leadership. Maybe you have a gift of just hanging around junior high students. Maybe you have a gift, and I'm telling you what, when you can experience the thrill of God using you, 
And you just played a little part. My favorite reasons to come to Faith Bridge, because one of my favorite junior high students from the church back in Grand Rapids that used to say, what, okay, goes here. And now he's a teacher in greater Houston doing amazing things. He's a dad of one little girl about to have a second. I see this guy every time, and I'm like, man, I played a little part, a little part in this guy's life. And to see it, and just like, thanks be to God. Every time I leave and I see him, and just thanks be to God for Bob, for who this kid is, and who the man that he is. And you can play that part. And I'm telling you what, when you can experience the thrill of God using you, it'll change you. Now, it's your decision. And, and we're not about bribing but we are about feeding you well. And if you, after service, would just go out, it's like 40 steps. You can either walk 80 steps to your car in humidity or 40 steps and get amazing breakfast tacos and amazing HTO and just connect with actual people, not AI and not bots, actual people who will tell you how you can get connected into the life of this church. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you all to stand. I'm going to invite you all to stand. And, and I'm going to say a blessing over you. Um, but before you get the tacos, please get your kids. Um, <laughs> it's just they're going to run crazy over there. Like, go get your kids. Go get the tacos. Um, but would you put your hands out for a blessing? My brothers and sisters of Faith Bridge, this is the beginning of the next season. This is the beginning of a new chapter in the life of this church and a new chapter in your life. And God has a pen. God has a story. God has a dream at what he wants to write for you and for this church. And the question is, will you say yes? Will you say yes to going backwards, to getting deeper in God's word? Will you say yes to going forward and actually doing life together? Will you say yes to showing up and pursuing God's presence and in the face of adversity, lifting up prayers and praise? And will you go inward and do your work so that when we go outward with the grace, the peace, the gospel, the good news, and whatever spiritual gifts that he's given to us, we can represent and represent Christ to a broken world that desperately needs faith. And may we be the ones that bridge faith to each other and to this community. Much love, everyone. We'll see you in the atrium. Go get your kids. See you next weekend. Grace and peace.